Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. Hey, Bay listeners, it's Devin Kadiyama. Just want to drop you a note before we start the show to say that the Bay team, that is me, Vinny, and Erica, are going to be at Southern Pacific Brewing in San Francisco on August 8th at 6 p.m. Uh, it's going to be super casual. Stop by, say hi. Uh, we're hoping to make these meetups with listeners a more regular thing. All right, now on to the show. San Francisco's relationship with tech has gone pretty much like this. Tech does something the city doesn't like. The city says, please don't. Tech does it anyway. The city says, all right, let's try to make a new law to stop tech. Then people debate the douchiness of scooters for a week. Well, this week, two San Francisco supervisors introduced a new proposal that would ban companies from having employee-only cafeterias. Here's supervisor Asha Safai. They're not open to the public. They're only designed to feed their employees. And the idea is, if you're doing that, how are you contributing and being a good neighbor? San Francisco's taken on a lot of these smaller battles with the tech industry. Meanwhile, the city hasn't figured out how to deal with its bigger problems of housing and displacement. Today, an argument for why the problem isn't getting any better. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to The Bay. I wasn't that guy who was coding when I was 17. I wasn't some lifelong techie. That wasn't kind of my thing. Antonio Garcia Martinez is author of the book Chaos Monkeys. He also wrote a provocative article for Wired where he lays out his argument for this informal caste system that he believes exists in San Francisco. There are four different groups. It was based on a couple of conversations I'd had with other techies. And, you know, I think we were joking that it, it felt like Orwell's 1984, that if people remember, there was a sort of inner party um, there was an outer party. There were the proles, which is a word I didn't use in the piece because it's a little bit it's a little bit offensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was um, the sort of you know out, untouchable cast that are sort of out of it. It seemed like everyone was organized into into those four categories. The inner party, right, is it's this sort of relatively small coterie of entrepreneurs who've done very well, um, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, for example, or CEO of Dropbox, the venture capitalists that back them, the partners at these VC firms. Those are the people who actually live beyond the, what I call the FU money level, where they're just living in a different financial plane than most of us. Below that level, you have what's called the outer party. This is what I was at Facebook. It's, it's a sort of ranks of relatively well-compensated technicians. And then just to wrap up the cast summary, there's the... Uh, what I euphemistically call the, the the service class. There's a computer workflow, and the human does the thing that it's hard for the computer to do. Look at Uber. And then, of course, lastly, we have the untouchables, 
you know, the homeless, the criminal, the, the, the completely sort of outside of the mainstream class that, you know, more and more is harder and harder to ignore. And there's just this massive problem that San Francisco is confronting. What was your hope behind this piece? I don't know. Sound the alarm, I guess. <laughs> or just I, I, I think it's, you know, there's this sort of code in, of silence inside tech. You're not supposed to kind of talk about the details inside tech. You know, tech is kind of very bullshitty and there's a lot of marketing and spin and everything is always up and to the right and very positive. You kind of live in the future when you're in San Francisco. What do you think is the goal? Is the goal to move between the layers that you've created to move from from the, uh, I mean, obviously like the untouchables to the service, the, from the service to the... Oh, it's impossible. I don't think that's possible. I, I don't think, I think the untouchables, I mean, not, it's very difficult for them to end up in the service class. The service class is impossible to become the outer party. You need a set of skills and training and education that... Yeah, I'm sure if you really struggle heroically, you might get there. I mean, heck, even the outer party can't quite make it to inner party. Like, I, I never made it to inner party, right? Like, I, I didn't have a big outcome or success. Or... Do you think that's reflective of, of uh, meritocracy and this idea of moving up between uh, middle class to upper no. class? I don't, I don't know of any techie who's been long enough in tech who really thinks that it's really mostly a meritocracy. I, I, I think there's certainly skill aspects to it, and you kind of have to position yourself in the right place at the right time. But mm-hmm. it really is kind of a lottery draw. So I, you know, I don't work in tech. Yeah. I, I'm not going to say how much I make, but let's just say I make under a hundred thousand sure. dollars. Well, under a hundred thousand uh, dollars. What happens with me in this scenario? You know, it's a good question. I don't know. Um, you know, it's. You know, heck, I'm a writer now. I don't actually make that much either. Um, <laughs> I think it's, it's it's getting it's getting much more difficult to live in the city. I mean, it is. Yeah, a crappy rundown one bedroom still runs you thirty five hundred dollars a month. Yeah, how do you how do you pay for that? Right. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, well, I mean, you live in Fremont or you live, you commute two hours every day. I mean, it's, yeah, I think it's, look, I think a lot of American cities are going to become playgrounds for global elites and the global wealthy. And that's it. Yeah. I think you actually kind of lay out this ominous ending that you don't see much hope. <laughs> hope. You don't see much hope. And I think for I'm a lot a of people, Sorry. you're a pessimist. And, and you know, I, I, for, for a lot of people in, in the Bay Area, I think they are also thinking about, should I leave? Is there one class uh, in a particular good position to to push for change? I, well, yeah, I think, I think the outer party, right? They have middle class expectations. They have certain services they use. They still use public transport to some degree, right? They don't, they don't all just Uber all the time. We had to teach our two and a half year old to not pick up needles on the street as we were walking to daycare. That's just standard operating procedure as a parent in San Francisco. It's kind of not normal. That's kind of not cool. And so I think a lot of the outer party does have some feeling of political consciousness. Those people will become a political force. Do you think it's easier to have socialist views in the Bay Area like a lot of people have in the Bay Area because of what's happening right now? Yeah, I mean, it's a certain kombucha socialism, right? It's not like really socialism, right? It's not like hard scrabble, uh, you know, working class Spartan values here, right? right? These aren't pipe fitters going on strike anywhere, right? Um, to mention a random mm-hmm. recent thing, uh, this this business of banning company cafeterias within city limits, which I, I don't know all the context of that thing, but the notion that you'd actually regulate cafes inside Twitter as if that's a major concern, like literally across the street where you have people like camped out in music stops and, you know, relieving themselves on, on sidewalks. But that's the mainstream. Or banning straws, for example, or hyper-regulating scooters. Like, what is the city doing? Like, it just seems very odd. Yeah. Um, and who does that benefit? I mean, it, I guess the motivation behind the cafeteria thing, and I'll have to admit I didn't, haven't done a total deep dive on it, is that in some sense those cities didn't comply with the informal deal they had, which is reinvesting in the community and going out and spending money. So I guess, I guess you have to force Twitter people to leave the office and go buy lunch outside, right? I guess that's the – but that's just so odd. 
again, going back to like, who's the service class inside some of these tech companies, those cafeterias employ people. The more I live in the Bay Area and the more I hear about uh, Silicon Valley, the more like this word hypocrisy kind of comes to the surface. You know, setting out to to say you want to do better for the world, to maybe putting forward, you know, a couple products and and maybe making a, a splash. But then the underlying problems not only still exist, right. but it also seems to be getting worse. That's right. I think part of the reason why San Francisco is the, um, you know, the, the breeding ground for so much tech innovation is because it's often such a crappy city to live in that you have to, like, literally float billion-dollar companies just to fix some of those problems. So, like, the fact that Muni isn't great. You have a, there's a company called Chariot that's basically just a private Muni. They invented, you know, a city bus. That's it. That's the innovation. But, you know, it's not Muni and the app works and, you know, there isn't a homeless guy camped out next to you on it. And so you take that instead. Or the taxi system kind of sucks and the city isn't dense enough to really support taxis like Manhattan. So you have to invent Uber. Hmm. Uh, you know, real estate's super expensive. So if you go to a month for Cambodia, you can't afford the rent. So you got to rent it out. So you have Airbnb, right? There's like, there's so many startups that are basically young hedonistic millennials trying to like fill in the problems with their city via mobile apps. The Bay Area's general values over the years have been that we believe in equality and we believe in respecting people. And then tech comes in and it becomes a major part of our society. Does it actually, do all these apps and all these products actually do more harm in in the narrative of wanting to do better, but secretly that's not really what's happening. There's just, they're just, it's getting covered up. I don't know. I'm going to sound like this crazy anti-city pro-tech guy right here, but <laughs> it seems like the city is just hell-bent on killing the golden goose in many of its policies. What passes as SF progressivism, I think, typically makes makes a lot of it worse. And I, I think there's a lot of, it seems to me like there's a lot of posturing in the city. Every part of the world has a silicon something, a silicon sentier, a silicon allee. Like everyone's trying to mimic this model that San Francisco has and failing. These these places are not as good a startup hub as San Francisco. They're just not. Europe just isn't good at it, right? San Francisco has everything wrong about it, literally everything wrong. You know, high real estate prices, um, increasingly challenging urban environment to live in, like so many things wrong, but it gets certain key things right. And it's just, it's so amazing to me that so many cities and countries are trying to create what we have and the city doesn't maybe understand what, what a magical miracle it has and that if it only managed it well, I think the damage that tech does, and it does do some damage, that could be managed a lot better. Antonio, thank you. No, thanks. Okay, so we'd really love to hear what you think of this conversation. Do you work in tech? And do you see yourself in any of the groups Antonio mentions? If you're outside of tech, what do you think? Share it out on social media using the hashtag TheBayKQED. Also, next Monday, we're going to continue a part of this conversation about the politics in Silicon Valley. And we're going to hear from a top CEO who thinks of himself as being progressive. The Bay is produced by Vinny Tong and Erica Aguilar. Our theme music is by Daoud Anthony. Our senior editors are Ethan Lindsay and Holly Kernan. I'm Devin Kadayama. You've been listening to The Bay. This week's Bay Curious podcast answers four questions related to Bay Area weather, including one about San Francisco's parody Twitter account, Carl the Fog. Today's forecast, mostly foggy with a side of fog, plus some more fog. Subscribe to Bay Curious, the podcast that answers listener questions. Hi, 
I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. Thanks.